Welcome to Victor's Children, a podcast from so-called Canada talking socialism from below. My name is David Campfield. I live with my partner and cat in Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is in Treaty 1 territory. The traditional territory of Anishinaabeg, Cree, Oja Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation. All those of us in the Canadian state who aren't Indigenous need to commit ourselves to the struggle against settler colonialism. My aim is that this podcast will be useful for socialists, especially those of us in so-called Canada and people relatively new to socialist politics. I started to think about a podcast because my ability to write had been further limited late in 2020 by not going to physiotherapy, uh, which I depend on to manage my musculoskeletal problems. Uh, That's because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, But a podcast also provides opportunities for discussing ideas with people and for dialogue. I support an eco-socialism from below, a revolutionary democratic working class eco-socialism that tries to integrate and be changed by struggles against all forms of oppression and that aims to bring all that's relevant in this tradition into future struggles in the hope of contributing to the development of a politics of human emancipation adequate for the times. Because I don't know of any existing podcast in this part of the world that's aligned with these politics, I've decided to try launching one. I hope to make this about one episode per month, perhaps occasionally more. I want to say a big thank you to the producer of Victor's Children, Jonathan Croker, without whom it wouldn't be possible. I'd also like to thank Posey Lega, who designed the graphic for Victor's Children. The name of this podcast refers to Victor Serge, and in this episode, you'll hear my interview with Susie Weissman about Serge. Some of the topics I'm planning for future episodes are class struggle today and tomorrow, Stalinism and the future of socialism, does dialectics matter, socialists and union staff jobs, and the history of the Communist Party of Canada. If you'd like to get in touch, you can send me a message through my website, prairiered.ca. If you find it interesting, please do tell other people about it, especially uh, because the podcast won't have its own social industry accounts and because I'm only on Facebook, not also on Twitter and Instagram. Without further ado, here's my interview with Susie Weissman. I am very happy to have uh, on the first episode of the podcast here, joining us from California, Susie Weissman who knows more about Victor Serres than just about anyone and is the author of a fine political biography of Victor Serres. Um, so welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'd just like to start out by asking you to tell listeners who Victor Serres was. It's a really good question because Victor Serge was one of those figures from the 20th century who uh, was kind of lost in the maelstrom, and yet he participated in all of the tumultuous struggles of that century, and he wrote about them beautifully. So he's somebody that, you know, I set out to rescue because he had been marginalized. And I guess before I tell you who he is, I should say why he was marginalized. And that was because he was an intransigent revolutionary he would not compromise either with capitalism or Stalinism, which, you know, defined the, uh, the, the world after 1945. And so neither side wanted to claim him and everybody was critical of him. And so he kind of uh, sank from view, except among those who were, let's call them aficionados, that tried, loved his novels, loved his memoirs and wanted to uh, you know, make sure that he was better known. So he was born in 1890. He is actually Russian, but he was born in exile. His parents were uh, revolutionary populist anarchists. 
and they, uh, his uncle had participated in the assassination of Tsar Alexander II. So the family was on the run. His uncle was um, literally a rocket scientist who was executed uh, for that. I mean, as he was dying, he was uh, have, jotting notes on his ideas about rocket science. Um, and so Victor Serge grew up in Brussels, in Belgium, in exile. His parents had nothing but uh, contempt for what they called uh, education, the bourgeois education for the poor. So he didn't go to school. He just went to libraries and art museums and read voraciously. Uh, and he was always poor. His parents, you know, were not great at earning money. And <laughs> nor was he. That was never a goal. Private enrichment was no fit goal for life, he used to say. But to participate in the making of history, that was the goal. And he became an anarchist early on in Belgium. He was already fed up with the stodgy socialism of the Social Democrats, who he thought liked to pass resolutions, but nothing more. And um, the anarchists, on the other hand, you know, tried to put their uh, beliefs into action and live life as if it was the society that they were trying to achieve. But and then he um, I'm probably going into too much detail, but he um, then joined a group of kind of anarchist bandits, the Bano gang. Uh, they robbed from the rich and, and financed their organization, but they uh, ended up, most of them in prison and executed, and Serge himself was accused of being the ringleader of the group, even though he denounced violence. He happened to write their, um, you know, most of the articles in their press, so he spent four horrible years in prison. Um, many of them in solitude in France, and out of that he wrote his first novel, Men in Prison, which in prison, which is really dark and hard to read, I find. But I met later uh, people from the Spanish Civil War and other uh, uh, prisons and said that that book spoke to them while they were there. Uh, amazing that they had it. But, <laughs> but then, so Serge um, in, in jail, and this is at the time of the First World War, um, was let out, and uh, I mean, I shouldn't go through all the details, but he went to Spain, and he was uh, he com he converted from being an individualist anarchist to a an anarcho syndicalist who believed that you know working class struggle was it, but distrusted power and distrusted parties and the state, and uh, an anarchist uprising failed there, and at the same time, the Russian Revolution was beginning. In the Soviet Union, the land that was his never uh, seen homeland, the language he, he, that you know was his first language was Russian. So he tried to make his way back, and he uh, ended up in Paris and was picked up as as you know having been expelled after his prison sentence. He was put into a concentration camp, where he. Uh, formed a little Bolshevik group. They had they weren't sure who the Bolsheviks were, but they they knew that they were Bolsheviks <laughs> nonetheless, and they discussed Marxism. And then uh, at the end of World War One, uh, the the French government uh, was trying to um, negotiate to get uh, captured members of the French Legion back into France, and they arranged a prisoner exchange. And Serge found himself, you know, in this prisoner exchange and plopped into Russia. But it wasn't the glorious days of the revolution. It was the beginning of the cold days afterwards. It was January. It was freezing. 
the Civil War was about to begin in 1918. And he spent the next, until 1936 in the Soviet Union. And there he was incredibly active. He joined the Bolsheviks, but he um, criticized their departures from democracy and the ideals of the revolution while defending them against the counter-revolution. He ended up taking his stand with Trotsky in the left opposition. I don't want to go through the whole history, but he became an ardent left oppositionist. And he always said that the left opposition was not Trotskyist. We didn't believe in the cult of any leader. And it had as many, um, I guess, currents of thought as people. And they argued all the time, but they did have some you know, basic principles about commitment to Marxism and to international revolution, to the idea that the Soviet Union was but the first, but it was an international process, and that it couldn't be anything but democratic. Democracy was at the heart of the socialist project and inseparable from it. Anything that pretended to be socialism and was undemocratic just couldn't be socialist. Well, as you can imagine, he fell afoul of the party as Stalin began to assume control. And he, uh, along with the left opposition, was expelled in the end of 27 and then uh, found himself arrested several times and uh, exiled in what he called internal deportation. Um, And then miraculously, because he was able to write his books and he wrote in French um, and managed to get them published in France, uh, the case of Victor Serge being in the gulag uh, was an embarrassment to the French Communist Party because they were trying to recruit people. And everybody was saying, especially the Trotskyists in France and others, you know, they had a campaign to free Victor Serge. So um, it's a long story, but uh, Roman Roland and others told Stalin, you better, you better let him go. Find, you know, because it's hampering all of our efforts. And Stalin in 1936 Uh, really didn't know much about Victor Serge, but he looked at the interrogation record and decided that Serge did not represent much of a danger and had him expelled. And of course, that was Stalin's, I guess, second mistake. First, he expelled Trotsky. And now here's Victor Serge, this Oppositionist, left oppositionist, you know, who could speak most of the languages of Europe, who wrote brilliantly, and now he could join Trotsky in exile and continue the struggle against Stalin and the usurpation of the revolution. And then, you know, this begins this period where he lives in France, and then, of course, the Nazis come to power, and he uh, is on the run and, and ends up finally in Mexico, just like Trotsky, but a year later. He arrived after Trotsky um, was assassinated by Stalin. And Serge was certainly on a hit, li- hit list, um, but he was not killed. He, uh, or at least so far as we know, he was not killed. There's some rumors that he could have been poisoned, but uh, what we think happened Uh, is that he had a heart attack in 1947. And what I've missed along the way are are the kinds of things that he wrote and what he uh, believed in, but that's just kind of a bare outline of his life. Great, thank you. Um, You know, I think there are lots of ways in which Victor Serge matters to us today. And I just wanted to read you a a quotation from an essay by Richard Greeman, in which he argues that Serge challenges us to think for ourselves and teaches us that revolution is an organic process in which we're both actors and acted upon, and in which all self-delusion is ultimately fatal. And, and he goes on to talk about the idea of 
double duty. <clears throat> uh, the idea that Serge had about um, having a double responsibility to the revolution to defend it from the outside against its reactionary enemies and to defend it from within through courageous criticism of its errors and distortions, which Grieman calls a duty which demanded lucidity and loyalty in, in equal measure. Serge at one point writes about uh, this idea of double duty, risking giving weapons to reaction and discouraging the indecisive, but saying that it would be worse to inadvertently stuff our heads with rubbish and create a revolutionary conformity that's as conventional and dishonest as any other. What do you think about some of those ideas and socialists today? I think it's really important. You know, the one word that always comes to mind is lucidity, because Serge said we have to see clearly and we have to speak truthfully. He had lived through the darkest days of Stalin's obfuscation of the truth, trampling of the truth, um, you know, wiping out uh, any critical thought. And so for Serge, in fact, if you look, he wrote a, a beautiful testament in his, uh, in his memoirs where he defended above all human dignity, right of inquiry, uh, allegiance to the truth. And, uh, and, and, and at the same time, relentless criticism against those who would betray it. And he also, also talked about uh, the use of language, the way that uh, language itself was subverted by Stalin and the Stalinists, and that it was the task of Marxists to um, wage that uh, intransigent battle. And it is for truth and human freedom and respect for the enemy even, and, you know, as I said in the beginning, utter uh, socialist democracy. And that is encapsulated quite perfectly, I think, by the concept of double duty, that you are with the revolution, but you never fail to criticize it when it departs from its ideals, that at the same time you analyze, you know, what those departures mean. He understood the, the dilemma that the Soviet Union was in, that Lenin, I think, said quite well that it is a terrible honor, that uh, the, is a terrible misfortune that the honor of beginning uh, the world's first socialist revolution should befall on backward uh, Russia, because of course he meant Russia did not have the conditions to come to socialism, but it did have the conditions to have a revolution. And the only way that revolution could survive is if it was extended internationally. And Serge practiced that. He took part in three revolutions, lived in seven countries, spent 10 years in prison in various uh, forms of captivity. And as I mentioned in the beginning, he was born in one exile and he died in another. And he was an unrepentant uh, revolutionary all of those years. But at the same time, uh, he was also a, a, a participant and a witness. And so he wrote and he wrote beautifully and he wrote not just histories. I call him the historian, the bard and the conscience of the left opposition. But he also wrote these incredible novels so that when he was unable to convey some of the uh, ideas, the, the ways that they were transmitted among people and the confusions, he turned to different literary forms. Um, I think I've hit on most of what you said, but <laughs> let me know yeah. if I haven't. That's, that's great. And maybe that's a nice bridge to the question about if someone today who doesn't know anything about history that Serge lived through or doesn't know anything about Serge would like to dip into some of the things that he's written, what do you think would be the best place to start? I mean, I have my favorites, but uh, what do you What's think? You, what is your favorite? Well, I think Memoirs of a Revolutionary is just such an extraordinary book um, that it's, it's the thing I always point people to if they're interested, or even I if they've never heard of him. 
I, I agree with you. That That's what I was going to say. And it is the book, it, because it's so much more than just the memoirs. It's, it, and it's so typical of Serge that it's the memoirs of his life, but it's the memoirs of the revolutionary movement in Europe and in the Soviet Union. And then also later on at the end, not as much in Mexico because uh, he finished it uh, in 41 and he lived to 47, but Almost everything is there and it's written so incredibly so that new people, you know, will find all these incredible vignettes, little sketches of the uh, characters of all these revolutions and of the opposite movement, too, and get a sense. And I always say that people, by reading Victor Serge, not only come to admire, let's say, his life and the ideas that he puts forward, but they get a feel for the times in a way that even watching a documentary or reading, you know, another sort of drier history uh, won't. And so I really recommend that. And then, you know, and I have to say, too, that uh, whenever I tell people I work on Victor Serge, I ask them what they've read or what they like the most. And it breaks down by country or by region. In Latin America, it was, of course, what was translated first, which was whatever revolutionary should know about, um, I think it's called by, about oppression. Um, and that was when Serge, you know, had um, un- uncovered the Tsarist files and talked about the way the enemy persecutes revolutionaries. But others say the memoirs. And of course, there's always those who like the novels best. And then it gets down to which novel do you like best? But I agree with you. I think a very good place to start is uh, memoirs of a revolutionary. And, and for all the reasons that I just said, but also because I think today, this is Serge's moment, and I really applaud you for having uh, this podcast because Serge, you know, was always with the rank and file. He didn't aspire to leadership. Uh, he didn't aspire to power. He abhorred it. Uh, he never succumbed to nationalism. He detested it. He, um, he was, you know, his life was of an intransigent uh, revolutionary internationalist committed to uh, democracy, which he found uh, is Soviet democracy, was an uh, incredible expression of. And today, when you think about the movements um, that grew up, especially after uh, the Arab Spring and through Occupy and then through, you know, 2007 and 8 and, and then Black Lives Matter and everything else, Victor Serge you know, is someone that could speak to all of them because he opposed statist, authoritarian, bureaucratic solutions. He um, called for revolutionary democratic forms, but he would make no truck with capitalism. And I think that that is also the case for most of the young people today. They recognize that much. Yeah, I I agree. Absolutely. Um, And if someone wanted to read one of his novels, which one would you suggest starting with? Most people would say the case of Comrade Tulayev, um, which is his sort of dialectical novel of the purges. You get a real understanding of it. Um, I think, and I just reread Midnight in the Century, which it's a very, it's wonderful. It's, it, it's actually my favorite uh, novel. <laughs> it, it is mine too. Um, but it's, you know, it's it, it does speak to who we are, David, and to the, the terrible story of the opposition in prison, essentially, and in exile. But so much comes through it. And then, you know, the one that most people, and Richard Freeman is one of them, thinks is his worst novel, I absolutely love, 
which uh, came out as The Long Dusk, published in Canada in English before anywhere else, and then uh, was uh, went out of print in uh, New York Review of Books is going to bring it out, I think, in April. And it's got a new title, which I think is Last Times. I'm not sure you know, what I think about the title, but it's the story of the resistance, the generation in Europe at that time who are resisting not just Stalin, but also Hitler. And so I think it's it's got incredible lines within it. Um, and a lot of, um, you know, the revolutionaries doing, uh, recognizing where they went wrong, but still trying to find their way. So I think that's pertinent as well. But I agree with, uh, do you, of the novels, what do you like? Well, yeah, um, absolutely. Midnight in the Century is the one that's, that stands out for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't read it for years, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I just think there was there's something there's the lyricism of that novel and the way that the politics are uh, are conveyed. I have I have memories of it leaving a very and big I think impression that on me. There's also another point about that because most people know about Arthur Kessler's Darkness at Noon, but I think this is the counterpoint to that in a way. You know, you know Midnight in the Century, um, because Kessler, you know, only came to the left during the Stalin era and knew nothing of those who were opposed to Stalin from the left. And so he ends up, you know, being one of the God that failed group that, you know, once communist, once Stalinism became communism and that meant they rejected Marxism. But Serge gives us a much better view, a much, you know, fuller view and, and highlights the struggle of those who wanted to fight for the ideas that made the revolution worthwhile. Yeah, and I think both through the memoirs and through the novels, we can have a sense of glimpses of the the worlds that we've lost, in a sense, um, the of the different uh, lefts that Serge was part of, right, which were really largely destroyed by fascism and Stalinism, uh, and yeah. the incredible people that were products of of those um, of those contexts. Um, and so, of course, while we can't and shouldn't try to recreate those, um, that nonetheless, to have some appreciation of that legacy and and all that's best in that inheritance. Um, as we were trying to confront very different challenges in the 21st century. So I want to thank you very much for coming on this first episode of the podcast to talk about Victor Serge, and uh, perhaps we'll be able to return to talk about a focused theme or two in a future episode. Thank you. Can I just add one last thought? Serge remained an optimist, a historical optimist, even living through the darkest times because he knew that the ideas he was struggle, struggling for could not be repressed and in one way or another would, you know, e- emerge and erupt from time to time. And it's worth holding on to that thought, I think. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you very much, Susie. I hope you found the first episode of Victor's Children worth the listen. Please pass the word about it, and I hope you'll listen again.